Is this thing? There it is. Took a second. Yeah, so get a text pretty early this morning around 7.30 or so. Chris is under the weather. So I know Leah said, yes, feels like death is how you said. So um, Leah said something about it's not really my sermon. I, I want to I clarify that a little bit here before we have some sort of like... Like 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 a uh, a plagiarism scandal here at, at at Calvary Heights Baptist Church. That's not not what's happening here. Chris and I each week share each other's sermon notes and share each other's uh, sermon topics and where we're at. Um, and we develop the sermon plans where we're going and what the sermon series will be together. Anyway, and we do that just in case there is an emergency like this. We're a small enough congregation that somebody gets sick, what do we do? How do we go? And how do we continue on teaching what God has led on our hearts to continue teaching? And so that's, that's kind of the process that we're at. So um, taking kind of Chris's notes, I have been in the scripture all week looking at it, praying it, and reading over it. Um, but taking his notes and then adding to where we're at. So that's where we're, we're at with this. We do want to pray for Chris as he's ill. We want to make sure that he's um, recovering well and asking the Lord to be with him today. Hopefully he's at home sleeping and resting and doing that. But we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to close it out. Uh, if you've got your Bible, go ahead and pop that open. If not, you'll see it pop up on the screen. We'll look at verses 11 through 18. If you've got your word, let's go ahead and hear the word of the Lord. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you be in lives of holiness and godliness? Waiting for the hastening, waiting for, I'm sorry, in verse 12, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some... There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and the unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you thanking you so much. Um, thank you so much for this time we've had to, to preach through the letters of Peter here, First and Second Peter. Thank you for this time we've had to, to study them in, in depth as small groups together. Thank you for this time we've had to just be encouraged through the Word of God about our, our salvation, about our assurance in it, about the promises that you have given to us. Father, as we close out, First Peter or Second Peter, I should say Second Peter today. That I pray that as we we look at this, we find some applicable peace in our lives. We we find a way for us to um, to walk away encouraged and assured, but also to walk away knowing that you have given us some direction 
and that we're going that direction in your name for your glory, Father. Father, I want to lift up Brother Christie right now as he's, he's at home ill. We pray that he would be um, revived, refreshed, um, and recuperated, that you would just bless him and heal his body, uh, allow him to serve you as he wishes to serve you. Father, we just, we just thank you so much for who you are, for what you do, and how you work in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So here we are. Um, this is it. Peter's closing things out, right? He's, he's wrapping up the letter. This is that conclusion. Now, I've been personally notorious for kind of looking at these things and um, not really paying attention well to them. Chris put these kind of notes together here, and he said the same thing. Like, he used to skip over these as a young man. I don't know that I ever skipped them, skipped them personally, but I didn't pay close attention to them, right? They were kind of just that send-off, that sign-off, the signature, the I'm done, I'm, I'm, I'm finalized, all right, I get it, yada, 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 greet these people, give them a smooch, that sort of thing, right? That's, that's what we see in a lot of these letters. And there's something to that, though, that we miss out. We've got to be careful not to make that, a, that false equivalence of what that means to be looking at the closing of these letters. There's, there's so much here. There's, there's going to be meat to every piece, right? And so we've got to be paying attention to that. Hun. Right. So we're really doing well to, to watch out for these, to watch for these final words, to look at these attitudes, right? There's, there's verses here that are fantastically rich. And like I said, I was guilty of this. I've been guilty of this with the introductions of, of what's taking place in Scripture as well, in the, in the introductions of letters. i got to remind myself that all Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful to the believer. And we miss much that's really theologically rich if we don't pay close attention to the greetings and to the closings of the New Testament letters. And we, we miss final instructions. We miss modeling of what it's like to have a Christ-like life if we're not paying attention to that. And he continues on, he, so he's, he's got this, like, just since all these things are dissolved, he says in verse 11, what sort of people ought you to be in the lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord? So he's, he's, he's going here, so he's like, the world's doomed, right? If the world is doomed, why don't we just quit? Why don't we just give up now, right? Now, it seems real tempting, right? I mean, it's cold, it's wet, it's dreary today. I could totally go for like just bundling up, putting my head in my blankie and being done. Like, that's it, right? Wait it out. Jesus is coming back. The world's going to dissolve. Heavens are going to go away. I can do this. I'll just sit here until it happens. But that's not what's happening. Peter's asking a rhetorical question, but only sort of. Right? It's not really a, a super rhetorical question here. He's, he's saying we should look at our lives and look at them and go, no, because the world is going to dissolve, because all of this is going to go away, we need to live holy. We, we need to look at what does that mean? How should our lives look when we're living in a holy manner? And then we should look forward to these things. Right? Well, that while we're waiting for the end of the world, we're to look holy and just before God. Because we're not waiting for just nothing. It's not like we're just holding on and, and waiting for nothing at all. We're waiting for the fulfillment of the Word of God. Now think about that. 
the fulfillment of all the things that we've read about from Genesis 1 all the way through to Revelation 22. We're, we're looking for a fulfillment of all of that. The fulfillment of the Word of God. All of His promises fulfilled. And, and we're looking forward to and we're waiting for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And we're, we're waiting for eternity with God. Seeing the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit together in one place and in living there and in worship there and in service there. See, we should be looking forward to this, right? We, we, should, we should look forward to the end of the earth. Now that sounds the most bizarre thing ever. And, and if you're like me, you grew up in church in the 80s and 90s, and you'd get into these studies of the end times, and it was more about scaring people out of hell than it was showing people the beautiful promises of a God who's going to make all things new. That's what Peter's getting at. Peter's driving that it's not about scaring people out of hell. It's about waiting for a beautiful God who's going to make all things new and beautiful. That, that, if, that if we want to look forward to it, we need to live like we're looking forward to it. We, we just came out of Thanksgiving, and, and I'm a chubby guy. Thanksgiving's a great holiday, right? Fat man wanted to eat. And, and, and so I love some Thanksgiving. I look forward to that holiday. I look forward to it this year because it was going to be a time for us to rest <coughs> and relax and, and sit back and, and just do nothing for a few days. It doesn't feel like Leah and I have had much of that since about last March. It has been go, 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 go in our lives. And we had a moment of just looking forward to resting And, and we should live that way when it comes to resting in the promises of God in the end times. Right? The people of God ought to live in holiness and godliness, not just to avoid the punishment that's coming for the ungodly, right? but, but so that we may be devoted to the things that will last longer than the day of judgment. There are going to be things in our lives as, as followers of Christ that are, going to, that are going to outlive the day of judgment, that are going to be in eternal and live on into eternity. And we should look to living for those things that will not perish, that will not melt away, that will not be dissolved, as Peter describes here. Right? And that's, that's a pretty interesting point. Right? Now, we think about that. Like, if, if we're waiting for it, why not do our best to emulate it now? Why do we not work hard to, to show that this is who we want? Not, not because we want to substitute it out, right? We don't want to give some sort of fake, false, lying eternity, right? But as a model of what it'll be like to be with God into eternity. We're looking forward to that. We want to we live our lives to allow us to be found without any spot or without any blemish. Now, I, we, we, we talk about this, and it seems to, to be a point that comes up a lot. You and I, and there's nothing we can do on our own to live without any spot or without any blemish. 
We were born corrupt from, from birth, according to Scripture. Right? The sin nature is in us. Our selfishness is in us. We cannot be found without spot. We cannot be found without blemish on our own. But what we can do is be willing servants of a most holy and just God. To lay our lives down for Him so that He then can make us without blemish. He then can make us without spot. And and as Peter's writing this, he gets into verse 12, right? Waiting for and hastening the day of of God, because of which we will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt away. But according to the promise, we are waiting for new heavens and earth in which the righteousness dwells. He uses that word hastening. This is where that idea of being a willing servant comes in. Hastening. Now, when we think of hastening, we think of it meaning to like to hurry along, right? To scooch them, right? Hurry up, kids. Let's go. We got things to do, right? Well, last time I checked, we cannot hurry along a holy and just God, right? God has already got a, a, a time and a date and a set plan for the Christ's return and the day of judgment, Right? We are not hurrying along God. Peter's using the word hastening here to show us a partnering alongside God. See, we're the implements by which God uses to bring about salvation to those he's called. Pretty are the feet of those who carry the good news. That this this is our job. That we are to it. They cannot know salvation until they hear the words of salvation. And it's us who brings that. Right? God has that day and time set. And, and, and he's ordained, though, that it will happen. Now hear this. It's going to happen after all of his purposes for saving believers and building the kingdom here on earth are accomplished. I don't know what that looks like. Scripture's kind of quiet about it. I, I, I can kind of get a taste. Every tribe, every tongue, every... We understand this part of it. But what that, what that fully means, we don't know. But what we do know is that the judgment and Christ's return are coming after God's purposes for the salvation of mankind and the building of kingdom on earth have been accomplished according to His will. And he works those purposes through us. And he works those purposes through us sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we share the gospel and as we pray and as we seek to advance the kingdom of God through our service unto him, then we hasten, using that word kind of in quotes, the fulfillment of God's purposes. We're moving forward in God's purposes that way. And that's a fulfillment of God's purposes. It's a fulfillment of God's promises. And it includes Christ's return and the day of judgment. Now, now understand this. Our hope is not rooted in our own works here. But it's rooted in the promises of God. It's rooted in the promise of, of a new heaven. It's rooted in the promise of a new earth. Whether that means that it is literally completely destroyed and then recreated. 
or whether it has been made new like you and I have been made new creatures in Jesus Christ. That's a little fuzzy too. But here's what I know. The new heavens and the new earth will be the eternal home for the righteous, those called by God to live a life for him. And I look at that and I think, wow, that's incredible. See, in, in, in light of, of the Lord's return, we should be called to be, be diligent to be found without a spot or blemish. That means for us to be doctrinally and morally pure. And again, it is through Christ and Christ alone that that happens in our lives. But it's the promise of Christ making us new. That, that I can become something new, something better, something I couldn't have become on my own, that only through Jesus Christ I become this new thing. That gives us hope for the full reward of eternal life. And he continues on, right? That we count, I like this, count salvation as patience. So get down into, into verse 15 here. There's a lot in that, right? Once saved, always saved. Right? We've heard that. Or, I knew I could lose my salvation. And there are some within our own community that believe that. That, that if, if you're not faithful enough, that if you're not diligent, if you, if you have a sin fallback, you lose your salvation. Both of these are kind of incorrect. Right? That, that what Peter's talking about here isn't losing your salvation. We've already looked at that, that it appears that as we read through the letters of the apostles, Peter, Paul, as we're reading through the letters of John, none of them believe in this idea of you're losing your salvation. All of them seem to hold to this idea that, that God holds you tight and is not letting go if you're really his. But it's that are you really his moment, right? He's talking about election and sanctification is what we're talking about. That's the focus here. Right? And, and if we, we, we go on, like it's kind of one of those, oh boy, here we go kind of moments. Right? Peter knows that God's elect will be saved. He knows that. He also knows that the process of becoming Christ like takes time. Man, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great to just like, the, the moment you, you hear the call of this Holy Spirit in your life to come to salvation, it's like, all right, I'm saved. Boop, now I'm like Jesus. That's not how it worked for me. Right? I'm still not very much like Jesus most of the time. I struggle with that. It's a process, and it takes time, and it takes time of, of serving and, and being with Christ and, and being in the Word, right? But the sanctification process, becoming more and more Christ-like, that's an evidence of our salvation to other people, right? And that's important. This is, this is what we would call the doctrine of, of the perseverance of the saints, and, and that idea of the, the perseverance of the saints, this idea that, that when you're saved, you're really saved, and there's, there's no letting go of that, right? It has much, just as much to do with our salvation as it does with our growth in Christ. Peter's wanting us to have some assurance of salvation here. Right? He's wanting us to see that, that, that as we go on, that, that our assurance and our salvation is, is because we grow in Christ, 
Our assurance and our salvation is because of, of our walk with Jesus, not because we, we went down some aisle, we said some prayer, and we got dunked in some pool. I've said it before, if, if getting people wet got people saved, it'd be a whole lot more f- pastors on fire departments. We'd be hosing down everybody we could find to get them into heaven. That ain't how it works. It takes time to become more godly. And that time we spend becoming more godly looks like our salvation's growing and growing in us. Right? Paul teaches us in his letters to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. This is not works-based salvation, but it is that idea of growing deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's important for us to see. And the idea here is that there's a delay, right? That, that counting the patience of our Lord at salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul wrote to you. We're going to get to, to Paul writing to them here in a second. But that delay of Christ's return shows us his patience in our lives. But it also allows for leading other people to salvation. It's patience not just with us who are already believers, but it's patience for those who are yet to believe. And we need to see it that way. As as the apostles wrote these letters, they were thinking slow in coming, right? Jesus was slow in coming. This letter was written about 30 years after Jesus ascended into heaven. And he was slow in returning. They wanted to see an immediacy. They wanted the kingdom of God fulfilled then. They were excited about what they had witnessed while Jesus was on earth the first time. And they wanted more. And they wanted better. Church, we have forgotten to want more. And we have forgotten to want better. Jesus has been patient with us so that we can be those implements of God's tool of the gospel. We have forgotten to be urgent in the way we see the apostles being urgent. I say this as a confession in my own heart. We should want what they wanted here. We should want to see that hastening, the fulfillment of all of this. And we should desire it. We should live toward that goal. At some time, as Peter's writing this, he realizes that Paul has written to these churches too, right? And and the false teachers that are around have, have taken Paul's words and they have twisted them somehow manipulated what Paul has said, right? And, and we know that Paul's words are God-breathed, but they're, they're tricky to sometimes grasp. We, we've had that. We, re- we preached through Romans. We preached through First and Second Corinthians. There was a lot in there to take in, right? Peter knows this. Peter knows that Paul's words are difficult for some folks to read. They might be difficult for Peter. I don't know. He doesn't say one way or the other, right? Hard to understand sometimes and harder to put in practice. Some of the things that we we read about from Paul just seem almost impossible 
for us. But here's the thing. We can't ignore them. They are the Word of God. They're Scripture. And we see that. I love this, Jim, this little nugget. Look at verse 16. Go back to, yeah. As he does in all his letters, when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. That is amazing. The Apostle Peter here is acknowledging that what Paul is writing to the church then that is being circulated at the time this letter is being written are the words of God. There's scripture too. That here, just 30 years from the ascension of Christ, the New Testament church is already recognizing the works of the apostles as scripture and acknowledging it back and forth. The, the word here that, is, that we translate to scriptures out of the Greek, everywhere else except for 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 18, and here, everywhere else we see it in the New Testament, that word refers back to the Old Testament scriptures. Here it's referring to both the Old Testament scriptures and Paul's letters. Hmm. The same kind of happens in Second or in First Timothy five eighteen. Paul's referring to the um, the things being circulated among the churches, including the Old Testament, and and we see this, right? That that. That here it is, the Word of God is there. It, it is, it is God-breathed, but it is tricky to grasp. The other thing about it is it's, it's tough to understand, which makes it, unfortunately, easy to manipulate. Right? So we, we've got to be really careful here. We've got to be really careful that when we're listening to new ideas about some tougher passages, what that really says. Do these new ideas jive up with the rest of what we see in Scripture? Or do they appease a, a desire of our own hearts? Right? Sometimes some pieces of Scripture we get require a deeper understanding than other passages. Sometimes they just require us to be a little more mature in Christ to finally get it. I've had that happen. Those moments you're reading through something, you go, wait a second. What? How have I missed this all my life? There was a passage Leah and I were talking about, the woman at the well. There was some interesting symbolism in that story as Jesus is, is, is giving it. Now this is, side note, free, no extra charge. But, right, he walks up to her and he says, you know, could you get me some water? And then there's the whole conversation about you've had five husbands and the fellow you're with now isn't, you're not even married to him. But I tell you this, you know, and he goes into it. And, and as we're listening to that, we're like, okay. And we're listening to somebody talk about it. He goes, does nobody recognize that Jesus is the seventh husband? The one that would show perfection? Because seven is a, is a number. And we're like, 46 years. I've heard this story. 46 years. How have I not seen this yet? That's going to happen to us every time we're in the Word. We're going to see these things. That sometimes there's just a, a moment of maturity, a moment of God going, ha-ha, now. Watch this. What a, yep. 
We'll blow your brains out. Here it comes. And when we're in the Word, and that's okay. But the other thing we've got to look at is the context. Context, context, context. Look at the context. Does it match context with what's happening in the, in the passage that it's in? Does it match with context in the greater of that entire chunk of Scripture, that book? Does it match context within the whole of Scripture? Because I can take anything out of context, right? And I can make it sound good. Literally saw a pillow that had, had a quote from one of the Gospels on it that said, worship me and all this can be yours. And that is a quote from the Gospels, stitched on a pillow. Satan said it to Jesus while he was tempting him in the wilderness. I don't want that on my pillow. Take it out of context and you can spin a yarn that, that can really get people in a spot you don't want them to be. And Peter calls these people ignorant and unstable. And we are called to run from them, to flee from them. Right? It's just so easy to manipulate. The, the, the thing is here is, is that, yeah, we get it. Some of Paul's teaching is really hard to understand, but it's not all of Paul's teaching that's hard to understand. And the other thing that, that Peter doesn't say here is, is that it's not possible to understand the hard stuff. There's no impossibilities here. It does require some effort from our parts. It's going to exercise some, some God-given wisdom to us. Anytime, anytime you open the Word of God, you should spend some time in prayer beforehand asking for understanding. And when you close out that time of study in the Word of God, close out your time of study, you should spend some time in prayer asking for your understanding again. And then asking God to help you apply what you've just read in your life. And I want to encourage you to do this because we talked about this. Context is key here. Right? While there are some, some good daily devotional books out there, there are also a lot of bad daily devotional books out there. If you're looking at a daily devotional and as you're flipping through it, I want to caution you. If it goes from one verse here to another verse on the next day that's in a different book or a different text, and it, you see that repeating, maybe don't get that daily devotional book. Look at the Word of God within its context of itself. The more time you spend in the Word, the more time you're going to understand the Word. The more you're going to see links between and connections there. Open your time of study asking God for understanding. Close your time of study in prayer asking God for understanding and application. Right? Because here's the thing he says. These ignorant and unstable people are destroying themselves, flee from them. The ignorant and unstable are going to twist the word of God to their own destruction. Don't get caught in a snare that's theirs and not yours. 
He continues on telling us to take care of our own stability, right? This is, this is one of those great ones. If you know what to look for, it's easy to pick out the liars, right? We, we kind of go back to the counterfeit bill thing. It seems like a, a common analogy for Chris and I as we, we talk about false teachers. When you know what a real bill feels like, you'll spot the fake ones. We don't train on fake ones so that we know what the real ones are, right? God's mercy in, 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 here is shown in his patience, Right? And it's so much for us, to, um, and when we look at this, at how much it is for, for the correction of false teaching. It is easy for us to fall under false teaching. And, and we've got to be known that, that God is sometimes patient with us to turn that around. That as we dive into the Word ourselves, that there will be some self-correction through the Holy Spirit in our lives. And in those moments where we just allow the Scripture to tear down walls, Chris's outline here says that I've had countless moments where the truth of Scripture tears down walls. All of us who are growing in Christ should be able to say the same thing. That we can look at Scripture and go, wow, I had, how had I missed that? How had I had not seen that before? How did that well, I got to rethink this now. And that's okay. That shows we're moving forward. That's that hastening process. That's that sanctification as we move forward. And to just do all to trust God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Trusting God's word isn't always just, well, God's word says it, I believe it, that settles it. Sometimes trusting God's word is, ugh, that's tough. I'm going to have to sit on this one a little bit. There have been times in my life when I have gone to a devotional and I've looked at a piece of scripture and I've looked at it within the context and I've read it and I've thought, hmm, I'm going to have to sit on this one. I may have to read that same passage four or five times as I'm sitting on it. There may be times that I'm finally like, I'm going to have to put this one away and come back to it later. And that's okay too. But we trust that it is the Word of God, and we trust that the Holy Spirit will do something with it in our lives. And then we get to the very last little reason. Why is all of this matter? Verses 17 and 18. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Why does all this matter? Because we can grow in Christ every day. As we're spending time in the Word, spending time with other believers, spending time fellowshipping with, with the body of Christ, we can grow in Christ every day. We grow in knowledge and we grow in grace, meaning we, we have a better understanding of what Scripture has given to us and what Scripture is teaching us, but in grace and knowing how to apply it and how much grace has been given to us, understanding what God has blessed us with. But that last little chunk, to Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity, amen. All of this, is to glorify our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
All of this is to give God, creator of the universe, the glory and honor he deserves that we can give. To make him known amongst the people. By the time that the readers of this original letter had read this, if they should have known at this point, if not already, that the false teachers were, were out there just twisting and wrapping and, and tormenting Paul's writings in the Old Testament Scripture for their own benefit. Nothing we read in Scripture, nothing that the apostles in any of these letters write to us is going to advocate for sin or advocate for lawlessness. We're called here to be wary of false teaching, even false teaching that appeals to Scripture or appeals to the writings of the apostles. Anything. We've got to be cautious of that. Don't lose your own stability by following some false interpretations. Grow in Christ. Let me get to the little bit here, the final four. What what is our our takeaway here when we think about this? Well, we want to be the kind of person that Jesus would be happy with. Well done, good and faithful servant is is often kind of the phrase we hear about that. But but are we being the kind of person that Jesus is like, yeah, I'm glad they're doing that. I'm happy that they're doing what they're doing. I'm happy they are who they've become in me. Be confident that God's patience allows us to grow closer to him. This time that we have where Jesus has not yet returned is is a time for us to grow closer and closer to Jesus. A time for us to share the gospel more and more. Use the time we have well. But be be understanding that that it's for our benefit that we may grow closer to God in this time. We've got to be wary and vigilant of false teachers. They're, they're around every corner, it seems. And it seems that it was that way from the old New Testament times now. People are always trying to subvert the will of God, trying to subvert the word of God. Don't let it happen. Be cautious. And focus on glorifying God even now. And we're going, to, we're going to get into each one of these little pieces here a little bit right? as, we, as we dig in. Be the kind of person that Jesus would be happy with. Now, I, I like Chris kind of came up with this idea, maybe making this the platinum rule. Do unto others as you would not mind Jesus seeing do to you, right? Jesus seeing you do. I like this idea. The golden rule is, is do unto others as you would have others do unto you, right? Treat people the way you want to be treated. Here it's treat people the way you think Jesus wants you to treat them. Now, this is an interesting thing, right? Because this isn't the same as saying, well, what would Jesus do? And going ahead and doing what we want to do, because that's what we do, right? Got your little WWJD. Some of us from the 90s know what we're talking about. The WWJD bands, right? And Well, what would Jesus do? Well, I always hear the guy that says, well, he was known to flip tables and, and chase people out of the temple with a whip. Yeah, he was. Can't deny that. And I got reminded this week, and some reading I was doing, that it is important for me to ask myself, how many times had Jesus walked through the temple and seen those money changers before he did that? We only see one instance of Jesus ever doing that in Scripture. How many times did he walk through that temple and see those money changers? 
before he ever did that. Jesus was patient and he waited for the correct time before he did something drastic. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't going to be a time in our lives when for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of glorifying our God, we're not going to be called to do something drastic and big. But we wait patiently until it's the right time to do it. And the real thing is, is we need to know who Jesus is to know what Jesus would do. If you don't know Jesus, how are you going to know what he would do? You don't. You're making stuff up. We've got to be cautious of those things. right? We want to be confident that God's patience allows for us to grow closer to him. But if you're saved in Jesus Christ, truly saved in Jesus Christ, act like you're saved in Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to stumble. That doesn't mean you're not going to have slip-ups. That doesn't mean that. But that means that you're taking more steps forward in your relationship with Christ than you're taking steps backward. And that's okay. That's part of that sanctification process. We are going to stumble. We're going to fall. We're going to see our own gunk come out of our lives. Understanding that, that our surety in eternity, our assurance of where we are headed comes from Christ alone. Nothing else. Not in our good works, not in our service, not in our hopes, not in that we're a decent person. If you're relying on something someone told you or some prayer or statement of faith somebody had you say, we need to talk about that. That's not where our assurance in eternity comes from. But in, in a relationship with Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And our sanctification process, that as we grow closer to Christ, as we grow more Christ like, that allows us to grow closer every second. It's not a day by day thing, it's a moment by moment thing. But we can be confident that it allows us to grow closer to Him, that God wants that for us. Or to be wary and vigilant for false teaching. I feel like we talk about false teaching all the time. It's just there. But the Scripture seems to talk about false teaching all the time, especially as we preach through the New Testament. And, And the false teaching that we see around us is a tragedy in so many ways. Because the biggest way that I see is that it gives people a false sense of assurity in their salvation. It gives people a false sense of the realities that Scripture talks about. It gives people so many false hopes, false looking forwards to. There are just so much lies in their lives that they wind up believing them. And that's tragic. And it's heartbreaking to see people who, who may think they're saved Die and go to hell. To see people who who think that they're on a good stability path, as Peter describes it, a, a, a pure morally and a pure doctrinally path, being told, no, you're not. 
when they get judged on that judgment day. That's tragic. And we should be thankful for God's patience to allow us to bring people to the truth, to tell people the truth, to to see people that come to the truth of the real Scripture. We should be thankful for that time that we have. And we need to be focused on glorifying God now, right? And it's not like just acting like a good Christian. I, I think sometimes the, the scariest words I can sometimes hear as a, as a minister of the, of, the, of the gospel is somebody's a good Christian person. I, I'm not even sure if I know what that means anymore, right? I, I see so many, even within the pastorate lately, falling away. It makes me wonder, what does that mean? We are called to not just act like followers, but to be followers, to make that our identity, to make that central to who we are. Right? I'm going to struggle. I'm going to fail. I'm going to stumble. But when I serve a true and just God, here's the thing. When I struggle, when I stumble, when I fall, it's not me who gets me up. My heavenly Father lifts me up, He dusts me off, and He moves me forward. He will take care of us. And we owe all of that back to Him and all the glory we can muster in us to give to Him. We owe to Him. So what about us? What does that, what does that mean for us? If you are confident in your assurance of salvation, man, work closer to get to know God better. Spend more time that you, as you can in the Word. Spend more time getting to know the Jesus who loves you and saved you. If you're unsure about where you're at in your eternity, talk to me. Reach out to us. Let us know. We want to talk to you and, and hopefully give you some assurance one way or the other. And if you're certain that you're not in Jesus, we want to talk to you about that too. We want to introduce you to Jesus Christ, Savior of the world. And if you just don't know what's what, who's who, and where's where, you don't know you're up from your down, we want to talk to you about that too. We'll take some time to pray with you, to counsel with you, to share the love of Christ with you. Let's go ahead and go to him in prayer. Father, we just thank you so much. We thank you for being a God who gives us assurance, being a God who gives us promises. One whom we can grow in grace and knowledge of and give you the the glory for that. Father, I pray that as we get ready to um, leave from here, to go out and wherever we go, that you would just remind us to seek you above all else. To remind us that this time that you've given us, this is your patience with us so that we may grow closer to you and be more willing to serve and to share the gospel with you, with others need to hear it. 
Remind us of these things. Challenge us to live them out. It's in Jesus' name I pray.